Tonight, we're going to talk about all the things that nobody else wants to talk about and probably a little bit more. We might even define what a woman is by the end of this. Who knows? Welcome to Good News, Bad News, the Libertarian Christian Roundtable, where every other week we challenge the status quo and give you the libertarian Christian analysis of what's happening in your world. Welcome back to Good News, Bad News, the Libertarian Christian Roundtable. Uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. I am joined by the regular crew. As you know, I'm Dr. Norman Horn, president of LCI. We're also, we also have Miss Carrie Baldwin over here. We have uh, Mr. Sepulveda at the bottom right and our, our very own Matthew Bellis and his legendary strawberries. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Um, but first, I think we have to launch right into the most important thing of the night, which is what nobody wants to talk about. Matt, what are those things? Yeah, exactly. There's a, quite a few things out there in the news today that nobody wants to talk about because there are more spicy things to speak about. You know, like, oh, yeah. uh, well, it was for a long time there, the Johnny Depp trial. And now yeah, that was it. Yeah. Still dealing with Uvalde and, and now guns and Matthew McConaughey and e, 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 all that kind of stuff uh, and, and his take on guns. But frankly, it makes me sad. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. It makes me sad that, you know, there are some things that maybe we should actually celebrate, such as the fact that Nancy Pelosi's husband, only three days after he was charged with uh, dangerous driving and <laughs> drunkenness, uh, all his charges were dropped. So, uh, you know, hey, that's a win for him. Yay. Good hey. job. Good job. <laughs> and also, we should probably uh, be, be talking about, because nobody else will, the fact that, uh, you know, at the attorney U.S. Uh, office, there is a former congressman who has been held for election fraud charges. And so, I mean, I'm not going to tell you wow. what party that was really for. Uh, I'll just let you who guess uh, mm. on what one that might be. And we also have another interesting one where, uh, frankly, a gentleman by the name of Michael Sussman uh, <clears throat> is in a trial and it's having to do with Hillary Clinton. I mean, who talks about her anymore and a Russia <laughs> thing uh, and in politics, election stuff and January 6th. None oh, of that man. stuff really actually matters. Yeah. Uh, so please focus on uh, Gay Pride Month, please. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty interesting to consider. I saw something earlier today where uh, you know that uh the same companies that feel that it's uh that they should be saying happy holidays rather than merry christmas because well they 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 you know, they aren't sure what other people are celebrating out there are reorganizing their entire marketing campaign for a month in a month that is not even a, their biggest shopping month of the year around around Pride month, which yeah, it's yeah. like Okay, you know, like, come on, guys. Even as even as Christian, even as Christians, we can accept the fact that, like, you know, people are. We we want people to be able to live the way that they want, but we also want them to be able. We also want them to come to a knowledge of Christ. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and so this is just this is just loathsome as we've been uh, speaking earlier. You know, uh, to even, see this the way this even goes. the humble strawberry knows it's only got about two weeks out of the year to uh, <laughs> to really make itself known. So. Let's take a lesson from the humble strawberry folks. Before it gets eaten. Before it gets eaten. <laughs> wow. Who, who knew that, that was where that was going to go? Oh, All right. Well, perhaps more more uh, akin to a, a real news item right now. 
uh, something that people are talking a lot about and are very concerned about, especially for just the everyday American and everyday world going person at this point is inflation. Uh, all of us are now uh, becoming very well aware, uh, whether we are looking at the, uh, the shortages of food in a grocery store or the astronomical gas prices that are that are uh, now present. Still um, going up. Yep, mm -hmm. still going up. And it seems like it's every other day it's up another 10 cents. So we're up uh, even here in Missouri. We're at like 450 or more uh, gallon. Crazy. But inflation is now officially here to stay because. Because Janie tell, told us so now. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be my new name for her. Um, I, I, Janet Yellen for the Janet Yellen. Well, Janet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Janet Yellen says, uh, and I'm going to share my screen here for a second. But Janet Yellen is now saying that inflation is going to stay high. And even the Biden administration is going to up their forecast, which, oh, yes, the conservative estimate of 4.7 percent this year. Not good enough for that budget proposal. Uh, we're talking more like in the eight plus percent range. I I'll tell you what, like, I don't think there has ever been a single year in my lifetime where we have seen 8% inflation. Now, obviously, we're not in hyperinflation mode or something like that, and I'm not going to tell you that that's what's going to happen. I'm not going to scaremonger that kind of weirdness. But this is still crazy, guys. And, well, you know, here's the, the thing. Go ahead. Well, here's the thing that people need to remember this, though, especially the conservatives out there, is that this is not some sort of, like, Biden-esque, you know, uh, crisis that he created, okay? He just perpetuated the policy that started with Trump. All right. Started yeah. with Bush, actually. Well, yeah, oh. but. <laughs> and conservatives and liberals alike shouldn't uh, be foolish enough to think that this is something that is inexplicable. And just because Janet yeah. Yellen got it wrong, quote unquote, <laughs> um, doesn't mean that nobody could have predicted this. <laughs> <laughs> nobody could have predicted this. What? This is, this what is a we shocker. We had no this? idea. We had no idea. Yeah. Well, it, what's interesting about predictions is, though, a lot of times what people don't look at, which they should, is the commercial producer price index, which is actually in the double digits, Ugh. which nobody likes to talk about trickle-down theory. Um, yeah. And it's not really trickle-down, but anyway. Right. It's that one will... leading into another where that's going to affect the consumer price index here soon. Yeah. yeah. Well, because people seem to forget that, you know, one of the fundamental tenets of economics and it's like one of the major, major innovations of realizations of the marginal re revolution in the 19th century is that re the, the, that realization that costs do not determine prices, though. Yeah. Okay. Prices determine costs. It's the other and way around. And economists are still in denial today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's behind every discussion about inflation. Someone that does not want to give it to monetary policy, it's always because behind it, they think that it's cost to one of the terms prices. Well, Some way, somehow, people are able to pay high prices. Nobody knows how could that be that people are here able to pay those for such a high prices. Yeah. I'd, say that it's, I'd say it's even common in the in the business world because as I've oh. tried to grow my own business, I've had people who try to <clears throat> advise about pricing. And the very first thing that they cover is is cost. And they say, you know, this is and they use cost as the basis from which to to drive your price. And, you know, I've had discussions with them on this and it like it completely goes in one ear and out the other. Mm -hmm. Just because so, it costs so much doesn't mean people 
are going to be willing and able to pay for it. So right. they need to get yeah. money for that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what else, what else should we know about inflation as it stands today? Uh, Aaron, our econ expert on here. What, okay, what else is going on? So to be fair, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> Norman is the, is the kid here, right? He's, he's a young one. <laughs> Okay. When Most people was, don't know that I'm the youngest guy here. Just, yeah. I know it's it's just unthinkable considering I have the most gray of all of us. But what, you know that's just my kid's fault though. What, when I was born, January 1982, inflation was at a rate of eight point. This is the highest. Oh well. Thanks to the fact that I was born, inflation came down from eight <laughs> percent. Thank to, you. Yeah, I you, don't know. Think thank you, Aaron. Aaron. Ba- you, thank you, you, the baby Keynesian. You consumed just everything. He uh, graced us with his presence. <laughs> Ronald Reagan heard born, that you were being born and said, we got to do something. Productivity <laughs> started to increase. Monetary policy got better. I mean, they took your advice at was, an early age. It was your birthday gift from it's, it, the it universe. Was just fa- it's just facts. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying correlation is causation, but more than likely it is. I'm okay. not offering an interpretation. Facts <laughs> don't care about your feelings. <laughs> and between Trump and Biden have pushed it up to 8.55. So it actually did beat up. And all of my life has been erased thanks to this inflation. I cannot oh. say that yeah we're back to yeah we're, we're back to square back one back to 1982 yeah so we're back to 1982 <laughs> um no the some things guys um i think people are a little too rough and i've been reading some of the conservatives honestly i'm actually glad i mean uh, probably that's why i'm not good for politics i'm just good for analyzing from the outside i'm glad that she said you know i was wrong because nobody wanted to say they were wrong and 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 their fights inside of the biden administration because she was open about saying yeah i got it wrong and this thing is not it's not going to be transitory. It's here to stay. And uh, today, uh, Dr. Uh, Larry White came out on um, on the news and said, "There's no way that inflation is gonna is gonna be rain on." I'm a little more positive. I'll tell you guys why in a couple of minutes. Because the Fed has been super slow at raising rates, and if you actually look at it, they're not really reducing the money supply. They're just increasing at a lower rate, which <laughs> it ain't that ha- helpful. But it's like, better than nothing. We're driving off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, so instead of like, stopping and reversing direction, it's like, if we just go slower, we won't fall off. <laughs> Le- March, They're like Republicans. Had- <laughs> there you go. That's exactly huh, what it is. Less huh. gas in the tank and we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's from so from March to April, inflation went down from 8.55 to 8.22. So at this rate, we ain't going to go down to like 80 anytime soon. So, yeah, it is a little bit over the top. The Fed is super slow, which we kind of expected that we're going to be slow, not just not that slow. So uh, we are here for for, for a long while. I'm a little bit more positive because there's a high demand for dollars all throughout the world, which means whatever imports we get, if the Biden administration finally gets rid of tariffs that's the only hope by the way so you guys know that yeah. there is a bill right now saying that we have to get rid of almost all tariffs coming from um, the democrats by the way oh really mm-hmm. yes they kind of figure that i mean they have a bunch <clears throat> of other garbage you know it's kind of like pork they come up with some good ideas and then just a bunch of garbage in the, in, in the bottom <laughs> but one of those ones is you have to get rid of tariffs because they're going to push up prices no matter what and so if we get rid of tariffs that could actually help out a lot 
And there's a lot of demand for U.S. dollars, which means foreigners are going to be giving us their stuff a lot cheaper because they desperately want our dollars. That's my hope. But if the Fed continues to grow the money supply regardless, well, then, you know, it would just match the high demand and it, we will still be in a high inflation situation. But I'm trying to stay positive. I will say there is something positive, though, about what you said, is that the Fed is acting slowly. And as I have grown in years and experience well beyond Norman Horn. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well beyond. Definitely. We all definitely do, well beyond. No, but as I've grown, I've, I've come to realize that more than anything, more than not even more, but alongside of good financial policy and good economics, consumers want more than anything is stability. Yeah. And so if you're going to have a Fed who's going to control these dollars, you want them to act very slowly and deliberately whenever they do these things so that it's not such a jolt. I feel like sometimes I would love it to, for them to just stop the, the money supply or to increase the rates that are proportionate to what the actual uh, pricing index actually says needs to be. But the fact that they move slowly could actually be of help and allow people to conform to these issues and start to move more to a positive era or, or area rather than just immediately shutting off the lights and closing up shop because those kinds of shocks can reverberate into a lot of negative aspects i think you mean like you all the all the negative shocks from 2020 <laughs> well that's a prime example i think of that type of immediate move in a marketplace where it was definitely negative and you could just see it, but it was just the instability of the market that sh that really just kind of exposed a lot of the problems. And you saw people, how they reacted to those things and we're still feeling those effects. I just, yeah. mm -hmm. however wrong the Fed is, the only thing I say, I'm glad they're acting slowly. Well, yeah, there's a virtue in that. And I think that a lot of it, you know, so, I mean, I mean you're, you're well aware of this, Matthew, as well, being in the private sector in business and so on, that a large a large part of what happens in industry is planning for the future. And you can't really plan for the future if right. there is this, I mean, we, we try our best to try at, at least to give, uh, you know, some type of forecasting with right. respect to what, what do we expect the market to do in response to the types of things that the goods and services that I introduce into the marketplace. Right. Yeah. But if I have an unpredictable regulatory structure, then it's entirely possible that any plan that I might try to execute on will be thrown into the fireplace and burned into smithereens in just like instantaneously. And and I could I could regale you with stories about how this affects, you know, all type uh, every single bit every single business I've ever been in. This <laughs> is just the way that it, it pans out. There's a whole continent of Africa that has dealt with high regulation uh in, in their individual colonies and it's hard to grow investment in those certain uh, Central and yeah. uh, Western African countries just because the regulatory atmosphere is so unstable. And so people yep. want more than anything, really just stability in economy so that they can plan. So, yeah. 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 Uh, by the way, guys, uh, uh, openly and as we go along, um, um, I'm going to declare that I have changed my position 
yes, inflation is going to continue to grow because <laughs> consumption spending before the pandemic was maximum on annualized basis 5%. Uh, okay? On average. Increases of 5% max, like literally just consumption spending. Okay. Uh, for the last two years, it has gone to 17%, 14% increases, wow. 27% increases, because there's what? so much money in the hands of consumers that we actually go out and actually pay the high prices. Mm -hmm. uh, like wow. now, so now that net consumption expenditures then yes okay. they're really really okay. high and we continue to increase them at very high rates i'm talking about annualized basis you can divide it by four uh, sure. by 12 if you wish but did nothing compares to like maximum five usually three four percent uh per month an annualized basis and mm -hmm. now we're talking about 27 percent sometimes 11 percent seven percent they're really really high we're, we're spending a lot of money on consumption and that just has to do with the fact that Consumers, there's regular families. I mean, for good, there is a lot of money, a lot of income, but that we don't have the supply chains uh, to to catch up to such a speed. Actually, we were doing some analysis yeah. and production is almost the same as it's supposed to be. Let's say there was no pandemic. We were supposed to be at this production. Well, how come there's such a high inflation? <laughs> because the rest is just a bunch of spending of money yeah. that, the, that the government created. That's fascinating. Well, so are you yeah. saying are you saying that people are buying more <clears throat> stuff than they were before the pandemic? No, no, no. Oh, no, they're spending more money. Uh, so this is why we said net. Yeah, okay. net, yeah. They're spending more money. That. Yeah, and they're buying and they're buying pretty much the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Got and, it. And, and we don't love, have the supply chains before. I would love to see that that graph alongside of a consumer confidence index as mm. well to that, see the differences be between those two. It depends on how you define confidence at that point. But it makes sense because this is, you know, for one, people did decrease their expenditures through through the pandemic, yeah. through those months and, and up to two years. But, you know, and, and now we're seeing kind of the, the shift away from that. But, you know, the, the issue being that now that there's been all this, there was a whole lot of money just sort of thrown into the economy, which, you know, in many respects went straight to savings. You know, like the first two months only. Yeah. The right after that, yeah. boom, immediately funnel out into yeah. spending. Mm -hmm. So those two months were important, obviously, right? But sure. I I learned this lesson of inflation and too much money in the economy uh from DuckTales. So oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Remember that episode where they ring the bell and all the coins start popping out everywhere? And all of a sudden ice cream cones cost like a million bucks. It it, it, it kind of is because <laughs> It kind of is because you can say that right now the money is in somewhat of circulation. The problem in 2008 is that it was not in circulation because the new money would just go to big institu uh, financial institutions. Yeah. The new money now, because of fiscal expansion, actually did go into families, which then again, oddly enough, it's not too bad because now we can see it right away instead of creating a bunch of uh, malinvestments in the financial sector in the background. And then after 2008... <laughs> How come we got into this trouble? But now we can see it right away. So oddly enough, it's not bad because we can see the um, the the immediate effects of increasing the money supply just going straight to consumer markets. What's so, interesting yeah. about that, the number one industry that received a lot of those dollars after 2008 was the energy sector. 
And the vast majority of those companies, I saw this the other day, vast majority of those companies that received those uh, those stimulus dollars uh, have gone bankrupt and are no longer in business. What? Yeah. Companies of, of the energy, of the yeah. energy sector mm -hmm. have gone bankrupt? Yep. You have to tell me... Tell me more about the leader, okay? Because well, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, otherwise we're gonna, you know, <laughs> we'll go we'll go off on yet another tangent. We have more things to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so that I mean that's really interesting. I think it's also kind of worthy to to close that off with, um, you know, the the there the policies that we see now do reverberate into the future like this, and and you know, with, like we said, that it, businesses need uh, like. They, they have to plan and uh, and it's and, and it's in fact it's the only way uh, to actually like increase prosperity overall is to increase your savings rates so that the structure of production can in, can extend thereby uh, and, and the only way you can do that is through effective planning so you know it just goes to show that like you know and this is you can look anywhere in the regulatory literature that is written it's like that uh, when when regula when regulations are are low and stable, <laughs> that you will be able to have better planning and more prosperity as a result. And uh, well, anyway, that's uh, perhaps that's uh, one way we can kind of uh, action action that into you know into being here for a second with ourselves is that, that learning about that type of information is really important regardless of who you're of who you are. Um, and so you know, keep learning your economics, guys. Read up on Mises and read up on <laughs> and on others. Hayek. Yep. On Hayek. Yep. So uh okay. So here's here's something else that we have uh, have encountered that we we're actually pretty excited about. It's kind of referring to Mises, uh, in fact, is that we're actually kind of interested to see uh what is about to happen with none other than the Libertarian Party. <laughs> now we have to point out from the beginning here that. Of course, we're we're a 501c3 organization. The Libertarian Christian Institute is interested in libertarian philosophy and principles, and we're not endorsing any party whatsoever. Um, however, uh, the balloons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we that have a balloon focus. Oh, yeah, inflation. That, that's that's for inflation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we are interested to see how a party that does take on a libertarian label. Uh, behaves and acts with respect to libertarian principles and philosophy. And so recently, uh, we, we, we were able to observe some pretty significant changes going on in the Libertarian Party, namely that uh, a lot of the old guard uh, and, and some of the potentially kind of, we might say, problem people in, the, in the, that organization Gary are kind Johnson. of getting exorcised. Oh. Uh, from it. And the, the Mises Caucus in particular, which kind of heralds itself as being a uh, kind of an extension of the Ron Paul revolution of 08 and 2012, uh, which is kind of exciting to think, even just think about that, um, have really like they ran a whole number on the entirety of their convention that was hosted a week and a half ago. And a couple of really significant things happened. Of course, yeah, the Mises Caucus taking over was a big deal. And it'll be interesting to see, like I said, you know, where that's going to go. But they also made some significant changes to the platform. And Carrie, why don't you kind of highlight what we thought was the most interesting part of that? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> the, 
But the part of the platform that is the most interesting that yeah. they made a change to, I mean, they made it, they actually made uh, several changes, several, several yeah. very good changes to the platform. I would say that really um, hit home a Rothbardian, Misesian, uh philosophical sense of libertarianism. Um, but the most controversial decision was to remove the abortion plank, which was section 1.5. And what was interesting about this plank, and I have an article on the LCI website, you can go check out the, the uh, name of the articles, the Libertarian Party is officially si silent on abortion. Um, what's interesting is the history of this plank, uh, which I draw out in that article, I'm not going to go into a whole lot here. But the history of that that plank um, was really uh, problematic. It went through many changes. Um, when it started out, it was not a woman's rights issue. It was an overpopulation issue, yeah. <laughs> um, which is which is very strange to think about because uh, libertarians don't tend to think that the world is overpopulated. But um, at any rate, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so at any rate, but uh, alongside of the abortion plank was a children's rights plank that was sort of in and out of there for a while as well. It's currently not in there, um, although there is a parental rights plank still in there. Um, but the Libertarian Party, um, and I think this is reflective of, of libertarian philosophy, has had a really hard time trying to reconcile uh, women's rights and children's rights. And that's true of libertarian philosophy. This is, it's, it's just something that philosopher, libertarian philosophers have, have struggled to reconcile. And so I think that removing the plank is just um, symptomatic of finally accepting that, that this needs to be hashed out. Um, this is not, and this is worth saying, the Mises caucus didn't vote to remove the abortion plank because it's pro-life. There are certainly pro-life members within the Mises caucus, but there are also pro-choice members within the Mises caucus. There were pro-choice libertarians who um, opted to remove the plank. Um, and I highlight some of those people. Uh, the Mises caucus wanted to take it out just so that it was not going to be, or hopefully not going to be such a point of contention in the party. Um, and the, the way, the way the plank was written was intended to be quote unquote neutral. It was supposed to give ground to the idea that pro pro-lifers, um, have a good, good faith position, but ultimately it said, we're going to leave it up to the individual, which is a fundamentally a pro-choice thing to say. Um, and so it was constantly fought over. Now there are also pro-lifers who wanted to keep the abortion plank in. Karen Ann Harlos, who was uh, newly re-elected as secretary, um, made a public announcement about how she wanted to keep the plank in there. And she gives her reasons um, for why that is. So the removal of the plank is not necessarily a pro-life or pro-choice thing. Um, it's intended to um, one, be more welcoming to pro-life uh, pro people who are looking for, um, you know, a, a, a liberty-minded <laughs> liberty party or a liberty-minded group of people who want to, um, you know, fight against a lot of these, these government overreach practices who have been disenchanted by um, the two-party system. And so it's supposed to be more inviting for, for them 
for sure. But the idea is, is to, um, really sort of set aside the fundamental question, which is, does self-ownership extend to the right to abort? That has not been made clear by libertarian philosophers. Um, and, uh, and, and welcome pro-life, uh, liberty lovers into the party as well and build it. And I was already printing up my raucous Mises caucus t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I've, I perhaps was, uh, I'm pleased to see that it's been removed. I, I have, for one, have kind of felt that that plank was not like a, a huge bugaboo. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't feel that. In fact, I, I've, I've argued to certain people before, um, you know, that, uh, that considering the way in which, you know, that the Republican Party basically treats it not as a as a statement out of their principles, but as just something that, you know, well, it's it's really it's a it's a uh, it's a mechanism to garner uh, allegiance. Right. And not a, it's not actually a statement of their principles. The right. fact that the LP, you know, said, well, look, we're you, you know, we're from a national point of view, we are not going to make our people adhere to one view or another, but rather, you know, realizing that, that this has not been fully fleshed out, uh, that we're going to, we, that we need to let it be right yeah. now. And frankly, like from the federal point of view, that's the way it ought to be anyway. The federal government, right. I mean, the federal government shouldn't have the power to legislate over this uh, from the beginning. It's not never been part of the constitution. And in fact, you know, we could, we could, you know, going back to the whole Roe v. Wade potential for repeal, you know, coming up, that's it's arguable that this is it, that the uh, that it, this is almost repudiating the Republican way of thinking by mm -hmm. by uh, you know, and by the or at least the current Republican Party's way of thinking regarding Roe v. Wade because they will no longer have even a shot of doing anything from the national point of view anymore if the repeal comes through in the way that they're thinking it might. Well, and I, I want to say something to that because. Um, in reality, the Democrats and the Republicans haven't reconciled women's and children's rights either. Oh, yeah. Um, and as a consequence, they're able to, and I will use the word exploit, they're able to exploit women. Yep. And they're able to exploit children in the in 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 the whole appeal to um, you know, doing some terrible policy in the name of protecting the children. Yep. Um, so it's very exploitative. Um, and, and the Democrats do it and the Republicans do it. Yeah. And at the very least, libertarians can say, we're not going to exploit this issue. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a positive, absolutely a positive. Now I did say in my article that, um, we can't remain silent on the issue. We can't just leave uh, the question of women's and children's rights hanging in the balance. We can't claim to have a philosophy that um, fundamentally says that our rights are inherent and not bequeathed to us by anyone and not understand how this works for two thirds of humanity. So the libertarian philosophers do need to work this out. Um, but at the moment, I think the best thing to do is to keep it off the, the, the platform and to acknowledge we haven't figured it out yet. And that's fine. Well, or just, it's, yeah, it's just, it's not complete. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there are varying arguments 
on, you know, I mean, your, your, your debate with Walter Block, you know, kind of explained uh, from a couple of years ago, uh, pre the pre COVID era, Carrie, uh, right. <laughs> uh, only slightly. What, that was December of 2019. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> true. True. Uh, but, but even in that debate, you know, the, it's obvious that like, yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a, an issue that has been just fully settled, but on some level, you know, well, I mean, we, what do we consider something to, when do we consider something to be truly settled? Right. That is, a, that in, in and of itself could be up for debate. I mean, and yeah. So I fair. think that having a, having like, it is crucial that we get a more unified and comprehensive look at it. Right. And, and, and I'm really, I'm really proud of you for going at it. Um, <laughs> yes. and, uh, well, you were talking about the philosophy of understanding rights for women and children. We haven't really even gotten there yet because we don't even know what a woman is yet. <laughs> yeah, and that and that uh, fortunately there 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 are answers coming uh, because <laughs> <laughs> what a great segue into into our final uh, thing we wanted to mention here. Um, you may or may not be aware, but the question of what is a woman is kind of important these days, and in fact is the subject of a new documentary by a guy that we're not always a fan of, but we like what he did here. Uh, and that is Matt Walsh's new documentary with the Daily Wire, as I guess the producing company, uh, called What is a Woman? And uh, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, we've, I, I'm pretty sure that we've had even written some articles that appeared on LCI that have talked about stuff that Walsh has said that we have not been very keen on, um, you know, with regards to certain uh, cultural things that he's uh, attacked and, uh, or at least in the way he's discussed it. Um, Plus he's I'm, too Catholic. <laughs> is he really? I didn't even know he was Catholic. He Roman Catholic, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But, but, <laughs> but in as much as these gender identity issues are concerned these days, which are quite at the forefront of a lot of people's uh, thinking, um, I mean, there's no question in our minds on where, where that issue comes down overall. And so a documentary like this that where really what he does is he goes through, he goes and interviews a lot of people who are proponents of uh, transgenderism and so on and so forth and transitioning over from one gender to another and so on and so forth. Especially for kids. And lets them, yeah, mm -hmm. for kids. Yeah. And, lets, and, and basically what he does is by interviewing these people, he lets them hang themselves on their own petard. Yeah, and it's pretty great in in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's not I would perfect, say I would yeah. say the the title is a little bit slightly misleading <laughs> yeah. uh, um, because it's really it's a tongue really, in cheek. <laughs> yes. Well, he's a troll. He's I mean he's good at trolling, yeah. um, and he does that to some degree in the documentary. But um, you know, I would say people need to watch it so that they can understand because one thing that he does draw out is the history. Where did this yeah. all come from? Because it didn't start just a few years ago. It, it, it actually has been around for a few decades and we're finally seeing the, the impact of, um, of all of that, the, the, the efforts by the, the people who promoted that. I think it was back mm -hmm. in the seventies. Um, and so that's really interesting to, to really get to see and watch. I never knew these things. Yeah. And um, so the documentary is very good at drawing out a lot of things that probably people aren't aware of that they should be aware of. And it's not a documentary that's going to go through and give you some great elaboration about what is a woman. There's a great ending to that, um, <laughs> to the documentary, which 
I don't know if we're going to mention, but, um, I do also want to say that, um, you know, he does this line of questioning with a number of proponents, transgender, transgenderism proponents, you know, a, a college professor, um, a Surgeon, doctor, um, yeah, a, a psychologist, a, a, a congressman. Um, and what's interesting, <laughs> Oh man! Oh my gosh! Yeah, but, just side, sidebar for a second. The congressman is is the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, he is he's, the worst. He's absolutely the worst. But what's interesting is, you know, he takes them through this line of questioning, um, and it's very clear that he had given these people the impression that he was at least neutral, if not sort of on their side, and just wanted to give them a platform to speak. And there comes a point in every single interview where he asks them, what is a woman? And they shut down, they freak out, they start to realize this isn't, uh, this is abort, exactly. Um, and (laughs) so they freak out and they start getting (laughs) suspicious. And it's really, it's really interesting because I really do think that he, he did, quite a good job at Socratically bringing them to their absolutely absurd conclusions. Um, and so he does a good job at that. He does draw out the history quite a bit. Um, he makes one point, which you see in the trailer, that one of the uh, hormone blockers, puberty blockers that they use to pause puberty is actually a drug that was used for chemical castration. Of, of sex offenders. Of sex offenders. Like, that's something hmm. that, you know, it's, it, it's like, well, it might be something you, you we should, should know. know about that. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it, I literally heard even days before in another conversation, he, you know, some college students, shall I say, uh, use the argument, but the, you know, the puberty blockers are completely reversible. Yeah, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much searching to determine a that, yeah, there are people out there that say they're completely reversible. But B, the more even remotely more authoritative sources, even like the Mayo Clinic, it says that, that no, 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 like, no. It, it's not that they're, yeah, there's lots that they'll say are reversible, but it's not completely reversible. Well, and they interviewed a woman who transitioned to mm-hmm. a man and she points out this is not reversible. And she's she deeply regrets the decision, yeah. but now she mm-hmm. can't fix it. She mm-hmm. can't reverse it. So. I haven't she seen the. Uh, I, I haven't what? seen the. She cannot yeah. refeminize herself. Right. Correct. Yeah. Well, I haven't and, seen the movie. Does uh, Does Dame Edna make an appearance? <laughs> no. Oh mercy. Um, Can I please for the, for the listeners? Uh, he's putting up pictures in front of us, so they're not probably pleasant. You got lucky. Does nobody remember Dame Edna? I, no. Oh, man. we're we're too young for that. I mean, I'm too young for that. It was, it was British <laughs> comedy at its finest. Yeah. Oh, because it's funny when men dress as women. <laughs> we know this from Monty Python. Exactly. I mean, yes. They, and yes, Robin Williams. And Robin yeah, Williams. Yeah. yeah. Mrs. And, and the uh, and 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 the and the movie that everybody wants to forget, White Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, Man, I forgot uh, about that one. Yeah, it, exactly. He wanted to forget about it. <laughs> um, oh man, oh woman. Oh man, uh, no. But anyway, the it's. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, regarding um, this the to the gentleman, the person who transitioned, 
Mm. Something this person notes, and, and I just like it, it, it stuck in my mind just because, like, I was, you know, because I pay attention to stuff with regards to chemistry and, and, and things as well. And he, he talks about, and oh, the other reason I paid attention to this is because I'm in the business of infection control these days. Uh, he talks about how he's very prone to infections. It's like, mm. what a shocker that mm. if you let your body not develop in the manner in which it is meant to, meant to and that yeah. you disrupt its normal development, that your immune system, as a consequence, could suffer some problems. Well, whoa, surprise, surprise. And, of course, right. he also, he, she, I don't he, know. She, the I don't person know notes. The person notes that um, uh, they, they have some, they, they had serious infections uh, in like with regards to like hair growth and whatnot that shouldn't have been in internal and stuff like that. I mean, you, you note some really weird stuff, like obviously very awkward and horrible medical conditions as a result of what the, they experienced. May, may, may I interrupt a little bit, guys, just to yeah. give a, a little, in, um, I guess, a little comment. Mm -hmm. um, as, and I think most of our audience would already know this, but I guess if this uh, angle helps, um, the way I was trying to make sense, because we were, we were trying to communicate with uh, some of the Spanish speaker libertarians, Christian libertarians specifically, mm -hmm. and how to talk to mainly conservative Christians, because they're looking for a better uh, for a better position than the typical old conservatism and of Latin, Latin America. And guess what? We're here uh, to offer that. Um, it's to not see libertarianism as being a, approval of every conceivable lifestyle right but to see uh things like sex change transgenderism uh drug use as we see apologetics yeah uh we we want to debate mormons we want to debate uh jehovah witnesses we think they're wrong we we are kind to them uh we we tell them what we think but we don't want to make their practices illegal and if we, right. we actually move and we, and we want to help them out, which is probably the most important part of all, every single issue such as transgenderism and drug use or whatever you can think of that maybe looks like libertarianism would actually push you to support. It's not support. It's actually just move away from trying to make it illegal to be apologetic uh, to and uh, to be to treat us and apologetics that you want to uh let them know that you don't agree with it. We just don't want to make it illegal because we really do want to help out because we honestly think that that is the wrong way to go in life. And we wish you could actually change your ways if uh, by your free will. I well, hope that helps. Yeah, it's helpful. And and one thing that I think is sort of the knee-jerk reaction, especially con from conservatives and you know, potentially even Matt Walsh, is the tendency to want to crack down and make these things illegal. The, the, the difficult point, and this goes back to my point about children's rights, is, you know, does, does a child have a right to want to transition or to, to have a transition or, or whatnot? That's really going to be a, a point that libertarians will have to, to address. Um, because if children don't have that right, um, then something needs to be said. If children do have that right, something needs to be said. But it's not just uh, the, the unfortunate issue about this whole transgenderism thing is that it's not just a lifestyle choice for an adult. Like 
that was certainly the case with, uh, you know, homosexuality, that was mostly an adult issue. Um, this is not an adult issue now it's, it, it is involving children. And there is a question about, um, what sort of say a child has over their body in that way, what sort of say a parent has over their child's body in that way. And that is, that is not, not clear as far as the philosophy is concerned. Where a lot of people, I think, go wrong whenever trying to understand libertarianism, they mistake it for libertinism. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's very much a completely separate philosophy that is not at all, I would say, supported by libertarianism, which is just on the principles of non-aggression. You know? Right. They've forgotten that the that a libertini is a is is a type of cocktail that I invented a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, but by the way, I want to uh, try that. Yeah, guys, um, a, a shout out to Breed Paul, one of our followers, and and um, in Twitter because she was the one that actually kind of started that the exact same discussion that Matthew just. Uh, just said it's just because we're libertarians doesn't mean we're libertines. Yeah. Uh, right. We can just say that should be decriminalized, but doesn't mean that we support it in any conceivable way. And and thank yep. you for reminding us that. And that's what that's what made me thought about it. We hey, need to figure out a way. And it's in the book as well. We actually and we do address this both on the website and in our book, Faith Seeking Freedom. Get it today. I will <laughs> I will add, I will add that even the the new LP chair has pointed out that exact same dis yeah. distinction when yeah. it came yes. to sex work. She said, yes, we're yes. interested in decriminalizing it, but we're not going to be glorifying it. That's yeah. those are two yes. different things. It's the difference between uh live and let live and you do you, man. Yeah. You know. It's all good. No, it's yeah. not all good. It's not all right. good. It's not all good. Yes. Yeah. Hey, I want to I want to close out the conversation there with with uh, a bit of additional kind of criticism on the documentary itself, because mm. uh, I just uh, and we may talk about this more even on the website if we go and review it. Um, Carrie and I have been talking a little bit about writing something up like that, but uh, most notable to me is that I think that like the documentary itself that in in as in in as much as its primary purpose is concerned, it kind of accomplishes it. Uh, which is to present this question, what is a woman to the transgender community or the, the advocates and demonstrate that their philosophy is incoherent. Right. Um, and that strength happens to also have a little bit of a limitation upon it, though, in that it doesn't actually get all that deep in, in, in certain areas. And so I just make one little note here, you know, with this discussion, for instance, regarding the purity blocker Lupron, which is noted in the film, it, you know, being again a chemical guy and uh, having some some manner of training in this regard, the thing that came to mind to me was like, well, is there a chemical engineer in the house? Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> so the thing that came to mind to me almost immediately was like, well, surely there's more than just one of these. And, you know, so maybe Lupron is, it's, I mean, yeah, I believe you when they say this is exactly what it does. And it's like, but are there others? Right. And, right. and as a result, I think that by not, by, by kind of keeping it at that high level and, you know, it, and almost keeping it in the sense that was about as gotcha a question as was asked in the entire uh, film, mm. pretty much, or at least that was recorded. Um, and I, I felt kind of like that, you know, if I were to walk out of this having watched this documentary get into a discussion with somebody make this argument about lupron or something like that and then find out immediately is like oh well there's three other different classes of puberty blockers that operate differently and don't have negative effects like this well then i wouldn't have an answer at all would i 
Well, right. and that's just a limitation of what you get out of this. So I think it, it you know, you kind of keep in mind that that's, those are the types of things you want. I mean, in, in any case, any kind of documentary like this, you, you should be asking yourself questions such as these in order to try and delve a little deeper. Hmm. Uh, and so I, I, you know, I, cause that's what I did. I ended up going, it's like, okay, I got to go down this rabbit hole a little bit. I've discovered that like, oh, there are three other types of purity blockers, in fact. And, you know, and, and I didn't delve deep enough to find out whether they all behave in exactly the same way, whether they're just trade names, whether this, you know, what's the platform? How does it, how are they synthesized? What are the studies? I, I, I don't have time for all that. Right. But at the very least, they do exist, guys. So you have to be careful with that. And, uh, you know, to, to that extent, I think that, you know, it's good to watch. Just keep those things in mind and don't leave stones unturned. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's 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 my story. I'm sticking to it. So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, we do we do think it's worth re- at least I think it's worth watching. Carrie thinks it's worth watching. These other yeah. two guys haven't watched it yet, so you know you we're working on them. Watch it. But <laughs> I don't like no, spending to money watch on it. things. Yeah, so. well, uh, I would also recommend if Matt Walsh, if you happen to ever watch this, I hope that you release all of those full interviews uh on youtube so that you can uh you know <laughs> squelch the people who are gonna say like right. that you uh, did selective uh selective editing, selective yeah. editing, selective editing. so yeah. on yeah uh, well there would be another one there was an obvious selective editing with the oh, college yeah. professor where they time lapsed yeah. well and there are people there literally are are some weirdos online that are that have said like imagine imagine getting owned by a professor like this and still including the interview in the movie like that the professor somehow managed to totally crush him which, right i mean i mean okay whatever i you do you <laughs> yeah no no Norman. all wrong <laughs> kidding all right well i think that's all we got for today folks but uh we hope you've enjoyed this and if you would please uh i hope you will take a take a moment like our uh, youtube video here subscribe press all the buttons and uh and try and you know give us a little shout out Email us if you have any comments or questions that you'd like us to address sometime. You can reach us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. And, of course, check out our website. Again, libertarianchristians.com. we got a bunch of other podcasts. Check us all out. we got all sorts of things going and happening here. And, and, and we have new feminine tees for women. You're oh, welcome. yeah. And, and if you're not <laughs> sure whether they're for you or not, just no, never mind. It's like, Careful oh. with the zoom in feature. <laughs> Real quick, real, real quick, guys. Uh, Krugman came after cryptos and stable coins, and we are crushing him on Twitter. Yay. Oh, beautiful! There to attack us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go check this out next. Yeah. Well, more on that in two weeks, I guess. Yep. <laughs> we do this every other week, guys. So we hope you'll stay tuned for next time. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll catch you later. <laughs>